Blog Talk Radio. listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to just focus on the tenet that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Rotary Study Bible, and you may use any Bible you wish, of course. I have had many spiritual experiences and gratefulness and gratitude of all 
We will be having ongoing Bible readings and discussion about our spiritual experiences, and we read out of the guideposts. And we're also, uh, for this morning, it's just we're just trying to be ourselves and just uh, carry the message given to us and just reading our Bible. And um, uh, for our opening prayer, let's just say together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we pray for all Christians being persecuted worldwide, their freedom to worship, and lives are in jeopardy. And we pray for those lives who are taken for distorted and evil reasons. And we believe as Christians that they have become martyrs. And we pray for all the suffering from the violence here and at home and abroad. Pray for those who are sick in mind and body and those who are lonely and uncomforted. Forgive us, God, for our sins. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own homes, and we pray also for freedom from addiction of all kinds. Please send Archangel Michael, God, to fight against evil and protect all of them and your angels to watch over everybody that's in need. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for those who are imprisoned, and we also pray for their freedom and their restored to heavenly thoughts and feelings. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. We have made decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for problems of suffering all over the world. We thank you, God, for everything. Amen. And we also ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care. And this morning... um, we have a few birthdays, and I wish everybody a happy and blessed birthday today as we enter the new year. I want to wish every our listeners happy new year. And I'd like to start with Carly Sophia, happy birthday to you. And then my friend Robin Fitzgerald, happy birthday. And Yo Stunna, happy birthday to you. And Aiden Perez Albert, happy birthday, happy birthday. Kelly Luscious, happy birthday to you. And Nigel Yagdashinjan. Uh, Happy birthday. Bless you for a prosperous and happy year ahead. And I wish uh, everybody, if you have any uh, issues uh, come birthday time, sometimes you're alone. Remember, you're never really alone. And we just wish you a happy, blessed birthday. And if you have any birthdays or special announcements and anniversaries, just let me know and I'll, I'll put them on the air. If you have a special prayer request or positive intention, you can call towards the end of the service this morning, and it's only a half-hour service, so it's 619-924-9744. And I read out of the Bible. Uh, it's a Ryrie Study Bible, and, of course, you may use any Bible you wish. And um, you can go to either, uh, if you don't have a Bible on hand, you can go to www.biblegateway.com or www.biblia.com. And the opening music I want to remind you was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Sadek. If you want to order a copy, contact Save.org, S-A-V-A-E dot org, and they're on Facebook. They also do live shows. You can listen to them on YouTube for free. You can also get their CD like I did from Amazon. So uh, last week we were reading in Ephesians, the first Ephesians, and uh, this is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. 
And um, if this week we're going to Chapter 2, and I'm going to start out by uh, reading you the summary. And uh, it's, it's it's entitled, this is by www.schmoop.com, and they give me my summary. And uh, it's by, they're Harvard University students, and they're pretty funny, along with uh, uh, informational. So anyway, the, the title is Only Mostly Dead. Okay, so these Christians are good now, but it wasn't so long ago that they were living a pretty sin-filled lives. As far as anyone knew, they were dead to God because they didn't know about him or his laws or promises. Basically, these folks just followed everyone else in the world and did whatever they wanted. They ate what they wanted, they had sex with who they wanted, and they didn't feel guilty about it the next morning. Okay, so they were dead to God. But he apparently is a forgiving guy because he went and made them come back to life again. It's a miracle. By sin they died, metaphorically, but through Jesus they started living again. Now these believers have risen risen up to hang with Jesus. He does have that pretty sweet seat up there in heaven next to God. Yep, God saved them. These Christians didn't earn salvation by being good or something, and it's not bragging. God gave them the gift. We're guessing... It came at a pretty nice bow on the top, too. Anyway, the Gentiles wanted this like a sign. Anyway, see, the Christians were Gentiles in the beginning, and that just means that they weren't Jewish. They were also weren't circumcised like Jewish folks, and that means they didn't have any relationship with God at all. They just worshipped their pagan gods and had no clue. And they also didn't know anything about all the promises God had made to his people way back in the Hebrew Bible. Gentiles weren't part of that stuff, so they clearly weren't going to be saved. But now, because Jesus lived and died for us, God pulled the Gentiles in for some nice, warm group hug. Before Gentiles were the separate in God's eyes, now they're part of his chosen people. They aren't two groups anymore, Gentiles and Jews. There's just one group, and everyone believes in Jesus, so everyone gets to benefit from God's promises. And then back in the Hebrew Bible, God also gave his people all kinds of laws to follow. Now, God had tossed all those out, so anyone can come to him in the same footing. It's all because Jesus died. He died for all of our sins, and all the old feuds between the Gentiles and the Jews are over. Now there's just peace, and it's a new hum- humanity. Gentiles aren't on the outside looking in anymore. They're citizens of heaven, and they've got the keys, keys to God's house. This is the house that Jesus built, along with some of the apostles and the prophets. Sure, Jesus is the most important brick in the wall. But all believers, whether they're Christians, Gentiles, or Jews, are there too. I think that's blessed. So let's go ahead and turn to our Bible. And we're reading Ephesians chapter 2. And you were, it starts out chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working the sons of disobedient. Let me read that again. In two, we're on two, we're on two chapter, verse two, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived with the lusts of the flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, 
made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that the ages come so so that in ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now we're on 11. United in one body. Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were uncircumcised by the so-called circumcision, which is the performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were that at times separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and the strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus you have been form who who you were formerly were far off and have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made through through groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall, by abolishing his flesh and the enemy which is the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both to one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enemy. Now we're on 17. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. And for though through him, we both have our access in one spirit of the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Now we're up to 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom we are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. You know, that's so beautiful that we can only partly uh, understand it all, and um, that's why we read the notes, and uh, we read the summary, and now I'm going to read the notes for if you want to follow on too. And uh, Ryrie, who uh, edited this uh, version, does a really great job on notes. So, on 2, uh, 1 through 10, in this paragraph, Paul gives three reasons why God wanted to save people. One is to show his love. Two is to show his grace. And three, to show his workmanship by our doing good works. And says, dead, separated from God because of sins. This is spiritual death. If a man continues in this state by continuing to reject Christ, spiritual death becomes the second death, eternal separation from God. Then the Prince Spirit. Both words refer to uh, uh, Satan, sons of disobedience, uh, a Hebrewism from disobedient people. And we're up to three is man's basic nature is been afflicted by sin and the children of wrath, a he- Hebrewism difficult to translate, but meaning deserving of wrath. And grace is unmerited favor. And uh, two, six, for the beginning of the heavenly places. 
And seven is believers will be in an eternal display of the grace of God. And salvation is by grace. It is through faith. Faith involves knowledge of the gospel, acknowledgement of the truth of its message, and personal reception of the Savior. Works cannot save, but good works always accompany salvation. So that's a good explanation of this whole thing when people say, well, I can't earn my way to heaven. But here it says good works always accompany salvation. So because you're saved, you do good works, not the other way around. Paul now expands the concept of the body of Christ put forward in the rest of the Bible. He brings, uh, brings us near. He gives us peace. He gives us access. And he gives us a new family. And then on 2.12, it says, unbelieving. Gentiles are one without Christ. Uh, and then two, aliens. And then three, strangers. And then four, without hope. And lastly, without God. Okay, and then we're now at 2.14. The barrier of the dividing wall, possibly an allusion to the wall that separated the court of the Gentiles from the court of the Jews in the temple. An inscription warned Gentiles of the death penalty for going beyond it. But Paul's reference is likely to to the barrier raised by the en- enmity between the Jews and the Gentiles. That refers to how they don't get along in this flesh. This refers to the physical death of Christ, possible because he was human. And the whole Jewish legal system is referred to the Jew and Gentile. And that's why they keep bringing it up. They want to say that Christ died for our sins and has saved us. And then on 20 uh, to 21 verses, in the figure of the church as a temple, Christ is a new cornerstone. The apostles and the New Testament prophets are the foundation, and each Christian is a stone in the building. So remember that. It's excellent and very good. And I do see somebody. Let's see here. There's somebody in chat. I I think that... uh, Um, this quote says, a lion, um, um, I'm going to read his quotes. He's doing some quotes in chat, and he's saying, Hebrews 3.1, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, we share in the heavenly calling. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. And then he, he also says another verse, Hebrews 1 to 12. It's but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and to whom he has made the universe and I want to thank him so much for that and uh, thank you for listening so now we are going to go to my guidepost and we're going to read a little story uh, I don't pick these ahead of time but I just look and uh, let's see here I'm just going to pick a story random I've been reading this guidepost for years, and it's really helped me. Okay. This one is called The Man in Room 44. Hello. Sorry about that. Um, there's some kind of error, but um, hopefully I can find that story again since I just picked it randomly. I think it was the... the Man in the Room 414. So let's see if I can find it. Okay, I found it. Okay. Sorry about this. Sometimes there's a disconnection and things. Uh, uh, Okay, let's go again. Um, And I'll correct this later. 
Um, I felt certain that mine alone, that he was mine alone. He was also wise and funny and full of life. But he continued to date. We continued to date and our relationship grew. I became aware that he was his generous, understanding spirit that I loved most of all. Our romance seemed like a dream come true for me. And then, very much like a dream, it ended abruptly. One gray December afternoon in 1978, word came that a jet had lost power doing a low-level landing approaches to the Corpus Christi Naval Airfield. To avoid collision, the pilot had banked the plane away from a mobile drill rig moored at the bay and crashed barely a mile from the hospital where I worked. Word passed quickly to our small hospital staff that a plane had gone down, but there were a dozen squadrons in our region, and John was an outstanding pilot with years of experience. For all of those pilots, I reasoned, it surely had to have been someone other than John who crashed. I dialed his office just to be reassured by his voice, and a second later, I was greeted by John's commanding officer. His words, painfully gentle, ripped the earth from under my feet. Ruth, I have something to tell you. John was dead. I took time off for the funeral. I felt lost and aimless. How could I go back to working and buying groceries and cleaning my apartment as if everything were just the same? When I returned to the hospital, a new patient had been admitted to our floor in room 4014 as a civilian humanitarian case. He was a small, round man with a scrubby beard and little hard eyes. He had a badly infected leg wound that required strict bed rest and intravenous antibiotics. But it quickly became clear that he had another problem, one that was a lot more difficult to treat. Everything about the man was foul. His filthy body, his groping hands, his horrid language, and more than anything else, the pleasure he seemed to get from making nurses uncomfortable. As hard as we tried to look beyond his behavior, each of us invariably left the room as quickly as possible, practically ejected into the hall by a stream of his obscenities. The man in 4014 simply didn't care about anyone, least of all himself. He refused baths, he refused to dress completely or to shave, and refused to allow us to keep his room in even a marginal state of order. The only thing he agreed to was being left alone, which our frustrated staff began to do willingly. Two weeks into his stay, I stood at the nurse's station, mixed his last dose of antibiotics for the evening shift, and stewing over my latest encounter with him. I had tried to get him to wear a robe over the hospital pajamas that covered him so inadequately. In language as cold and raw as January wind that screamed past his window, he made it quite clear that I could what I could do with the robe and my other good intentions. Now I had to face him again to administer antibiotics. My agitation must have shown on my face because one of the other nurses shook her hair head and said, The guy in room four fourteen again. Huh? she grimaced. I can't stand to be in the same room with him. It must be even worse for you. Her emphasis puzzled me. What do you mean, I asked. She looked startled and then uncomfortable. I I thought you knew. She had my whole attention now. That guy, she explained, was working on the mobile rig that your pilot swerved to avoid. If it hadn't been there, Johnny probably could have ejected safely. I wanted to scream. Tears blurred my eyes and I fought to steady my trembling hands as they mechanically set the medication tray on the counter. How could I face the man in 4014? How could he be alive when John was dead? I took a deep breath, and I had promised myself and God I wouldn't ask why and such unfair things happened. I knew God was our Father, 
and that he loved me and John. The image of John's handsome, patient face flashed before me, and suddenly I realized I hadn't lost everything of John. I still have all the sense of meaning and the purpose which he so often shared with me. What would he have thought about in the man in the room 4014? God believed in God's hot guiding hand. John believed in God's hot guiding hand and that every human being had worth. He thought that things happened for a reason, and he believed in handing over to God what we can't manage ourselves. I made my way down to 4014. I just stood a moment outside the closed door and prayed silently to God. I don't know why you put me with this patient and me together, but I guess I don't need to. I just help him re- I'll just help him reach and give to him what he needs. I opened the door and I went in. Now what? He growled. Only your shot, I assured him, and he nodded curtly and then turned to stare out the window. The base sparkled silver in the distance where brisk winds tossed the waters into the moonlight. His image in the glass reflected a haunted aspect I hadn't noticed before. It looks cold out there tonight, I said. I'll never look at this. It'll never look the same to me again. He stared down at his crumpled bedclothes. How do you mean, I asked. He struggled awkwardly. Oh, it's just that crash, you know, the jet that went down in the bay a while back. He pressed on without waiting for an answer, not noticing I had frozen in place. I was out there on that rig when the plane went down. He was almost talking to himself now, staring out the window. I've never seen anything like that before. One minute the plane was up there, and the next his words trailed off, and he looked back at me with another shrug, his expression pained. I met his eyes, willing myself not to cry. What kind of response would I give him? What kind of answer did I have myself? Before I could gain enough control to say anything, his face changed and shock sharpened his features. You're the one, aren't you? he asked. I waited for him to explain, though I knew what he was asking. You're the nurse nurse who was dating the pilot, weren't you? I had heard of you here, that you were here, and I was, well, I'm sorry. His rough, sun-browned forehead wrinkled over his eyes that seemed to waver between his usual defensive glare and genuine concern. That's okay, I told him when I found my voice at last. It's hard getting past something like that, whether you actually knew the person or just saw it happen. Believe me, I understand. I can't stop thinking about the accident, gone just like that, and why? Why should that pilot's time be up and not mine? How are you supposed to live with that? I mean... Am I supposed to owe somebody something now? They say that the good die young. He chuckled, a humorless bark with a nervous edge. I guess that doesn't pay say much for me, does it? I grope for a response. His questions were the ones I had asked myself, and I suppose I might have felt as defensive as he sounded if it hadn't been for one thing. Beyond all my doubts and questions, I believed in God. Not just his existence, but in his active, caring part in our lives. Words came to me, strong ones. It was as if I had borrowed John's strength and faith. I don't have an explanation for why things happen, either good or bad, I said. But what I do believe is God has his reasons, and that he didn't give us any life to waste. We just have to keep going and do our best to make something worthwhile of it. You never know what you might make the difference. He was still for a moment and nodded slowly. I finished taking care of him in silence, only getting an absent nod when I said goodnight. The next day, I made my way to room 414 without the old feeling of dread that haunted my patient 
wasn't so different than my own ghost, and I now saw him different light. When I pushed the door open, I had to suppress the gasp. The man in 4014 was smiling at me, hesitantly and shyly. He was clean-shaven, his hair was neatly combed, and for once he was dressed in clean pajamas and a robe. For some people, this might not have been a remarkable change, but for this man, there were bold steps. I felt happier than I had in a long time. I couldn't help but wonder which of us learned more. Maybe 4014 had simply needed to know that it was all right to survive when someone else hadn't. Maybe I needed a reminder to move on to make a new life without John. But one thing is clear. The man in 4014 and I both had left with things to do. It may not be great world-changing things, but then again, remembering his smile, I thought of the ripples in the pond, a tiny impact reaching out ever wider circles. They might be after all. And I wish you everybody Happy New Year and God bless everybody. And we've come to the end of the service, and I'll see you next week. And I want to God bless you and thank you all for tuning in and listening. And the show will also be available in archives. And God bless you in every which way. Thank you, people, chat and listening. And I want to thank the, uh, the lion. So he put he gave us some verses of the Bible that were her special verses. And I want to say God bless you all. Happy New Year. Love you much. Bye-bye.